On this episode of the podcast, Westover tells us about how being racquetball buddies can get you fired and rehired for a decade. Ugh, I'm a squash man myself, so that doesn't really help. You would be. <laughs> it's the superior game. Everyone who's anyone knows that. More of a pickleball man myself? Get out of That's here! That's not Westover. a real thing! Oh, Nobody loves God. you! Oh. Recline that sofa and loosen that tie, because this is mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Fleasy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week we are talking some NFL history. Warning to any and all Washington football team fans, you may <laughs> want to cover your ears. Or continue praying Dan Snyder is forced to sell the team. It's seeming less and less likely. Yeah. I know. Also, do you think Even they're with... ever going to come up with a new mascot? No. no. You think they're, they're settled there? They've had so much time. I know, right? And also, I don't know why you <laughs> do this move without having a name in mind. Right. Or at least a list of names yeah, that's why mind. Like, yeah. That's why like Cleveland still hasn't changed their moniker for baseball. Even though they're like, yes, we will be. Yes. We don't know what yet. We'll Let there. the fans decide. Because you got to be suffering in merchandising, you have to imagine. Oh, yeah. WFT, Washington <laughs> football team. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us, Westover? Tell us about Spin us a tale. WFT. Well, this week I'm talking about Vinny Serrato. Okay. And his tenure as GM and Vice President of Football Operations for the Washington football team. Literally never heard of him. He had multiple stints with the front office in D.C. because he got fired once mm-hmm. and brought back a year later after the guy who fired him got fired. Mm. Ah. Isn't that the way it goes, though? The yes. game within a game. And you feel so triumphant walking back in those doors. Right <laughs> as they're leaving, yep. too. It's like, oh, hey. Long- Fancy seeing you here. <laughs> Long time no see. <laughs> I'll just be heading to your office. <laughs> oh, I mean, my, my office. That's the a- thing. It was the head coach who got him fired. <gasps> Interesting. They don't. They play weird politics in how they organize their personnel in the front office in D.C. Well, it's Washington. But first, let's start with Vinny's background. Before coming to D.C. and where he got his start. He played college ball at Iowa State as quarterback and wide receiver. In 1983... With what? <laughs> back when you were allowed to do that kind of well, thing. Back when you were allowed to throw it and catch it. <laughs> Unlike Tom. Come on, Thomas. In 83, he signed to the Oakland Invaders nice. of the USFL. Heck yeah, I love it. That's great. It's but a great w- name. It's real close. Real, it's, all, uh, it's like similar theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost copyright infringement, but they're like, but it's oh, not. Oh, uh, not quite. Their colors were silver and white. <laughs> no, no, they're just off brands of gray and black. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 this is It's a different onyx. shade. Yes. <laughs> and this is midnight. <laughs> but he was cut in training camp a few months after signing. We can't all be winners. No. He'd return to college football as a recruiting director for Lou Holtz and the Fighting Irish. Ooh. He was a part of their staff when they won the national championship in 1988. Good for them. Vinny would get his <laughs> first shot in the NFL in 1991 with the 49ers in their scouting department. 
He would be promoted a year later to the team's director of college scouting, where he was partially responsible for drafting the foundation of players that would help win the Super Bowl in 94. So he was good at scouting. He was he was becoming known as like having an eye for talent. Cool. Good for him. It was also this time that Vinny decided... Let's have him stop doing that immediately. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Vinny decided maybe football wasn't wasn't his forte entirely, and okay. since he's already in California, mm-hmm. why not try out acting? Yes, makes So, sense. at the same time, Vinny Serrato appeared in the 1994 film Kindergarten Ninja. Love it. While he was still in charge of uh, scouting in San Francisco. Is this similar to Kindergarten Cop? No. Let me, let's, I got I uh, one of the reviews yep. on IMDb. Yes, please. According to IMDb, the fit length of this film is 82 minutes. That's 81 minutes too long. It should only be a 30-second PSA for D.A.R.E. and a 30-second message <laughs> suggesting that adults listen to more, more to kids. Signs these two topics, everything else is pure garbage. Nice. That's a great review. The main character, Blade Steel, was played by uh, Dwight Clark of Niners fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Your jaw, yeah. you would you like to pick yeah. that up and talk about Blade Steel? That's a great name. <laughs> I already, see nothing wrong with already it. Already that review was garbage, <laughs> and I'm going to go on Rotten Tomatoes immediately after this. Give this film a great review, yep. having never seen it. Perfect. Uh, I watched a bit of a scene where Serato shows up. He's like a detective in L.A., and... It's... I was hoping for, like, the disgruntled chief who's like, <laughs> you can't go out there! I was hoping he was a kindergarten ninja, but that was just me. <laughs> He's just, like, a, a side character. <laughs> it's it's very much, um, it's a wonderful life where there's an angel no, that wants no, to... No, you can't just say that. You can't <laughs> just say kindergarten ninja, and it's pretty much it's a wonderful life. <laughs> but not, but in the worst of ways, where, like, this... Angel has to come down and do like a deed to get his to be like a full angel, and he's like, like a martial an... artist. Oh, so and he's, he's like an... has to like teach somebody good and like martial arts at the same time. And then there's these like drug dealers that are like selling to kids. It's a weird time. So it's like the Matrix meets Angels in the Outfield meets It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Either way, I'm frowning so deeply right now. Oh, Blade oh it's Steel. <laughs> the acting is impeccable. Something else. Triumphant. Those are words. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't pair them with this movie, oh, but that's not what we're talking about. Because Vinny decided film was not for him after this one. I think film decided it wasn't for Vinny. Ooh. Then in 1999. The Washington football team was coming under new ownership as Dan Snyder had just purchased the team after the death of the previous owner. Snyder spent a then-record $800 million on the team and the stadium. He also incurred a ton of debt from just the stadium itself. That makes sense. Uh, Snyder's arrival led to the resignation of their GM, Charlie Casserly, who we know of Ricky Williams' uh, fame. Nice. (laughs) Uh, and he does, he needed a new GM and reached out to Vinny Serrato to be the director of personnel. They didn't really hire someone as a GM. Uh-huh. Vinny just kind of did a lot of the GM <laughs> jobs, but it was also split with the head coach as well. Oh, that's well. always a great system to have. It's like, do we really need a pope? 
Nope. Why don't we just kind of like let all the cardinals do different yeah. jobs and just kind of see how we There's feel. There's no power vacuum there. No, <laughs> no uh, internal struggle. No infighting. It's all a good time. I'm sure no major doctrines will be changed. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Vatican three. Here he comes. <laughs> Vatican three. <laughs> no more poop. <laughs> this summer. <laughs> Blade Steel. Blade Steel <laughs> and Vatican III. Is not the Pope. <laughs> Kindergarten Pope. <laughs> now that I would watch. That is a great film that is yet to be made, but we will We'll be. get there. Yes. To make an impression, Snyder basically gave Serato blank check, like, do what you want to improve the team. And the 2000... Uh, Washington football team was the first team to break $100 million in salary alone. Cool. So he did spend a lot yeah, of money. Threw a lot of money around. Yeah. And he brought in, you know, he brought in really a lot of talented big, people. He brought in a lot of talented people that were talented like five years prior. Sure. Dion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dion is one of those people. But we're going to start no with a. Longer uh, prime. Oh. Time. So it's just <laughs> father time at this yeah. point. Oh. They signed Jeff George, uh, even though they already had an established starter at quarterback. <laughs> I was about to say, they signed Jeff George, even though they already had a Jeff. <laughs> and they had George. two Jeffs and one George. They're at their limit now, though. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer would be the new coach. Cool. Uh, he would bench Jeff after game one and Dang then it. start cool. him in game two where they'd lose. Uh, 37 to nothing to Green Bay. Cool. Ooh. And then he would, and then he went on and cut. Uh, Jeff George. What? He did well, not last too long. many Jeffs. <laughs> uh, in the total of like six starts, George would go one for five, seven touchdowns, six picks. Hey, that's a positive touchdown-interception ratio, so I don't know what they're crying about. Yeah, right? That's pretty good to me. Now on to the big money, <laughs> as we mentioned. Yeah. yeah. All right, fair. <laughs> Las Vegas, sorry. Thank you. Now, as you already mentioned... Deion Sanders was also brought in in 2000 as well. My man! On a seven-year, $56 million contract with an $8 million signing bonus. So long. How old was he at this point? At least 30. 34. (laughs) Cool. Even worse. Uh, After one season with only four picks and no kicks or punts returned for a touchdown... Sanders retired, taking his signing <laughs> bonus, and enjoyed the retired life for a few years before, wait, like, he retired in 2001, uh-huh. came back and played for Baltimore for two seasons, or like a season and a half. Fine. In like, four oh five. Cool. Works for me. It's healthy. <laughs> and the real piece de resistance was the signing of defensive star Bruce Smith. Five years, $23 million. He was 37 when he signed this deal, and he did put up 10 sacks in his first season, which I mean, pretty Bruce, good for Bruce being... Bruce Smith is Bruce Smith. Maybe yep. do a, a one or two year deal then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he's super old, Five. I'm like, I see you playing until you're 42. Yes. <laughs> Close. We in love a really high man. contact position. Yep. It became very clear that he was a defensive liability who was sticking <laughs> around to just try and overtake the sack record. And Snyder was like, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, we don't stick have anything around. else going on. Might as well. You want to? You want a beer or something? <laughs> on the field? Yeah. <laughs> it's an iffy part because uh, Smith was responsible for a locker room revolt against Hooray! Schottenheimer <laughs> when Smith disagreed that a veteran of his stature shouldn't be put through the Oklahoma drills that 
uh, Marty Schottenheimer had as mandatory for training camps. You yeah, know what? No, if I, was I actually agree with if him. If I was almost 40, I'm like, no, I'm not doing Oklahoma's. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I was like 15 in high school, and I was like, I'm not doing this either. <laughs> no, no one wants to do that. No. No one. <laughs> Smith would hang on to the team so he could break 200 sacks. Uh, he did cut at age 40 and retire after 2003. During this time, he also got a DUI at Virginia Beach. Cool. Uh, Party. It was a good time for Mr. Highway 78. Beer, so. <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. Uh, the acquisition of all these <laughs> over-the-hill stars led to an 8-8 eight eight season, missing the playoffs, and uh, North Turner would be fired after 2000, bringing in Schottenheimer. Perfect. And then, after disagreements about how personnel was going to be organized, Schottenheimer got Serato fired after uh-huh. 2001. Okay. Poor Serato. Now uh, he has to fall back on his acting career. Schottenheimer was quoted talking about like this whole ordeal where like Serato would, was quoted saying, Dan may listen to you during preseason and stuff, but wait until I'm in the press box and during regular season. We'll see who he listens to then. Cool. Inviting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good I time. <laughs> yeah. Good drama. We're not on the same team. We're enemies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. But after another 8-8 eight and eight year with no sign of real improvement... Hey, 8-8 eight and eight is the perfect season. I will stand by that. The short-lived Marty Ball era was over in D.C. as he was fired after the 2001 season. Is this when he Her- went to San Diego? I... San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. I think that's where North Turner ended up going to first. And yeah. then him. But I'm not Blech. sure. In I don't know where Marty went, because... He's done with the He's story. out of the story. Oh, poor Marty. And guess who's announced immediately after as the new executive vice president of football organizations? Deion Sanders. Bruce Smith. Vinny Serrano. <laughs> ah, yeah, right. that's cool, who we're cool, 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 cool. And now he has more control over the team and how it spends its resources, now including exactly where their draft picks go. Hooray! First overall. <laughs> Second overall. Now, <laughs> he has some success in his career with draft picks. Three specifically. Sean Taylor, Brian Arakpo, and Chris Cooley. Those are great picks. But those are the only three players that, to make a Pro Bowl... As a member of the Washington football team out of 51 players that he yep. would draft in his second tenure. So not a very good percentage. That's a great hit percentage. <laughs> there are a couple that he would draft that do make a Pro Bowl, but each time it is literally the season after they leave Washington. Ooh. Starting in 2002, the team needs a new head coach. Cool. So Vinny and Snyder go reach out to... Steve Spurrier, give him a five-year, $25 million contract, which for the time, at that time... Pretty nice. Highest paid coach of all time. Steve Spurrier, now of South Carolina fame? Of Florida fame at this time. Well, yeah, now, but I'm oh, saying of no. fame. Yes, of fame. Because <laughs> I'm getting the sense that this is more of shame. Yeah. Yeah. If it's on this <laughs> podcast, it probably doesn't go well. Yeah, probably not going to go great. The team also needs a new face at quarterback, and with Vinny's <laughs> first round Same pick... Body. <laughs> Face. New face. <laughs> Cut it off. <laughs> Face-off technology. <laughs> he would draft Patrick Ramsey out of Tulane. The good old Florida boy for Steve Spurrier. You know, Tulane. The really? Of the Powerhouse. South. That produces all of these great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. They're so, so good. 
off topic real quick, I saw this earlier. You see uh, Oklahoma and Texas are trying to break into the SEC. Yeah. Oh, no. Abolish every other conference. Just one, one big conference. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want that. No, I mean, they, they could beat probably Tennessee Hooray. and Vanderbilt. Hooray! Maybe Ole Miss, Miss State, every other year. Let's keep naming SEC teams. <laughs> the rest are all going to beat them. But yeah, no, I thought that was fun. No, Florida related. Sorry. Back Florida to Jason. Regularly scheduled programming. You were hype about me saying that you loved it. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Ramsey didn't start out the gate well, only starting five games his rookie year, appearing in nine. Threw for 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns, and eight picks, with the team going seven and nine. 2003 would be his only year as the starter, where he'd still only start 11 games. He'd throw for a little over 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 9 picks, but the team overall going 5-11 and 11 on the season. And then, after two years with the team, and not finding the same success as he had in college, Spurrier, Spurrier resigned and oh, just no. dipped going back to college. Sorry, guys. The money's not enough. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not as great as uh, college was. I like absolute power. So then Serato would reach out to Washington legend Joe Gibbs, who led the t- who was like the previous coach before Schottenheimer. Sure. Uh, he's the one who led the Washington team to their three Super Bowl victories yep. in 83, 88, and 92. Yep. The 2003 offseason also saw negotiations fall apart with star corner Champ Bailey. Hmm. Who basically they lowballed him a lot. Cool. And he was like, no. It's a good negotiation tactic. So then they're like, yeah, you could go find a trade partner if you want. If you don't want to play for us, I guess. And so they would trade Bailey and a second round pick for Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis is not bad. No. But it's not Champ Bailey. No, no it is not Champ Bailey. No, it is no, not. And that ties into the. Ricky Williams. Yeah. yeah. It all comes It around. all connects. When's Mike Ditka showing up? <laughs> no get here. No Ditka is here. <gasps> there was a Bears reference, though. Hey, dub Bears. We are close to that. Because Serato would also trade their first round pick of the 2003 draft to the Jets for Lavernus Coles, whose contract was less than $400,000. Interesting. They'd sign him to a deal with a base salary of two million cool. and a signing bonus of thirteen million. Wow, why? Uh, because he was fast. Cool name. And cool name. Sold. Sold. Here's everything. <laughs> While Joe Gibbs had a particular type of quarterback he wanted, and Ramsey was not it, so under his influence, Washington also sent a 2004 third-round pick to Jacksonville. For 33-year-old Mark Brunel, and they signed him to a long-term extension of seven years, $43 million. Why do they Till keep, he's 40. Why do they keep doing this? Why do they keep giving these like mid-30-year-olds super long contracts? They'll never learn. Vinny has a weird like philosophy of draft picks and what their real value is. Age is a advocate. A little. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I respect it. I've got a quote about it later. Because we get to... He has some really bad drafts. Sure. But due to poor play and a hamstring injury, 
Brunel was replaced by Ramsey, who would remain the starter after like two months. Cool. And in and would be named starter into next year already. Worth it. But in 2005, first game of the season, Ramsey gets clotheslined by Lance Briggs in the Bears game, and uh, he gets demoted to backup because he's <laughs> injured pretty much for the rest of the season quits. and he uh he died he was like hey that actually hurt a lot so i'm not gonna do this anymore oh, yeah last briggs i'm really a big fan of your talent dead <laughs> does a flip didn't even get to finish his sentence <laughs> ramsey would get traded in the uh in march 2006 for a sixth round pick to the new york jets cool go cool. jets j-e-t-s 2005 jets, jets, jets. would also be Joe Gibbs' best season with the team. They'd go 10-6, and six, make the wild card, and win the only playoff game they've won since 1999. Oh, that wow. still sta- stands. They haven't won a playoff game besides that one. <laughs> and they'll never win a playoff they'll game again. They'll never win a playoff yeah. game again, except for probably this year when they win our division, unfortunately. Yeah. They've lost their, they've lost their next fi- five playoff game appearances that they've been in since 2005. I'd now, still kill to be in five playoff games since 2005. Yeah. But that's just me. Oh, Las Vegas. You'll get there one We're day. We're still in hell. It's fine. <laughs> it's, you're fine. You don't need an O-line. Go ahead. Are Between, you going to start? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Between 2006 and 2008 are Serato's worst decisions he could make. <laughs> From draft picks to signings. That... Never really improve the team, mm-hmm. and just kind of keep them in neutral. We love being in purgatory. <laughs> Mediocrity is an art form. Starting in 2006, Washington would trade a sixth-round pick and a future second to move up in the second round to draft linebacker Rocky McIntosh. His second, yeah, it's a oh, heck man. of a name. Yeah, again, Blade Steel. There's another actual football player name you'll love, H.B. Blades. <laughs> Why are we just now talking about H.B. Blades? Because <laughs> he's in, like, the next draft. Oh, fine, just... All right, tell me the nonsense. Tell me about Rocky Mariucci or So, whatever. Rocky McIntosh, in his second season, is having a dec- a good season. Like, his projections are going up. And then he tears his ACL. And never fully returns to his potential, and only tallies eight sacks over six years with the team. 2006 is also the year Vinny would sign Antoine Randall-L to a seven-year, $31 million contract, and trade an 06 third and a 2007 fourth for wide receiver Brandon Lloyd from the Niners, who was supposed to be the wide receiver one mm-hmm. for this team, with Santana Moss, who they had acquired the year before cool. by trading... Uh, Lavernos Coles back uh-huh. to the Jets for Santana Moss. Get back there. For like $8 million cheaper, he signed back to the Jets. Smart. And then Randall L is the third. Lloyd would go on and have one of the worst seasons a wide receiver one ever has. With 23 catches, 356 yards, and no touchdowns. As the guy. Oof. Lloyd would remain in Gibbs's doghouse due to poor attitude and work ethic getting listed as inactive for games due to missed meetings. He, Lloyd would end up missing the 2007 season with a broken collarbone due to making a diving catch during just practice. Trying hey, real hard. That's he, why I shouldn't practice. 
Lloyd would get cut after that season. And also in 2006, right before the season starts, Clinton Portis is dealing with a partially dislocated shoulder, so in August, Washington would accomplish a rare three-team trade between the Falcons and the Broncos. Denver would receive uh, their Washington's 2007 third-round pick. Atlanta would receive wide receiver Ashley Laley Laley? Uh, from uh, Denver. And Washington would receive running back T.J. Duckett. T.J. Duckett ended up being the third running back on the depth chart just because behind Clinton Portis there is Liddell Bell, mm-hmm. who was also injured, and they're like, we need someone else. We need anybody a running back. Someone with legs. Yep. Yeah. Duckett would play in 10 games. Cool. Rush 38 times nice. for 132 yards that's and two not, touchdowns. That's, well, okay. It's, it's like a game a stat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really one really good game stat. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> you said he played in nine games, but only got 38 touches? He played in ten games oh, and got that's 38 touches. Oh, that's good. that's good for him. And then he would leave the team in free agency the next season. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be there either. Not even playing. Yeah. No. We might as well have an extra lineman back there. If he's just going to stay in and block. Yes. <laughs> 2007, Washington only had their first round pick, a fifth, Two sixths and a seventh. All you need. Their first round pick was the sixth overall pick, which they used on safety LaRon Landry. Now, they already still had Sean Taylor in the backfield mm-hmm. at this time, and then their other safety was still not bad. So they were like, this is a weird pick. Team full of safeties. That's they, all you need. LaRon would have a Pro Bowl season in his career. The year after he leaves D.C. Cool. Of course. And the players that were available ahead or after Landry that they could have drafted were players like Adrian Peterson to replace Clinton Portis. He's a Patrick Willis. <laughs> also I Darrell Revis. Pretty okay. Even safeties Brandon Merriweather, Michael Griffin, and Reggie Nelson were all first-round picks that had better overall careers than LaRon Landry. And of all five picks that... Uh, Serrata would make. Only two players would even make the team. Landry and their second sixth-round pick, linebacker H.B. Blades. H.B. Blades? Of course he made the team. He stuck around for a while. He's H.B. Blades. He can't be cut. Of H.B. Blades fame. (laughs) H.B. Blades fame. Throughout his time in management, Vinny would... I just got that. (laughs) Can't be cut. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Hey. Oh. You're welcome. You're sharp. <laughs> oh, no. Like a blade? All right, finish the story. All right. <laughs> Throughout his time in management, Vinny would refer to drafting the best player available, no matter if that fits the team's needs. Good strategy. Yeah. He's quoted saying, you know, so you've got to go with how you have them ranked, how you've got them graded. You just can't go take a need. That way you can screw up your team by drafting for need. You're going to get a bunch of guys at those positions, and you're not going to be happy with those results. That makes no sense. What? Yep. That's like, a, that's a philosophy. Huh? <laughs> that's a choice. Like, sure, best available is like a good strategy, but not... Only if you turn around and trade them yeah. for what you need. Yeah, it's bananas. Then in 2008, Joe Gibbs retires for the second and final time. Leading to another head coach search. 
But before they hire a new head coach, they hire Jim Zorn as their offensive coordinator. Before right. they find a coach. Cool. They, Don't let him make that decision. No. We'll make that decision for you. We they, There's a bunch of like rumors that go out of like, oh, they're looking at like Jim Fassel and uh, Mike, Shan- Mike Shanahan and stuff. Uh-huh. And people just kind of get pissed about it. And then they just make Jim Zorn the head coach. Promoted. Good job, buddy. Jameson Zorn. Promotion. Jim Zorn. Yep. Jameson. Sure. For long. Don't distract him. But you know how Vinny's <laughs> draft philosophy makes no sense? Sure. Yes. Yeah. All of his strategies don't make sense. Well, he doesn't listen to his own philosophy in 2008. Okay. So he tr- they trade out of the first round with Atlanta. Cool. They have they end up with three second round picks, and focus solely on pass catchers, which is a position of need for the uh-huh. team, because it's just Santana Moss and an aging Antoine Randall L and then Scrubs. Cool. So they focus on wide receiver and tight end. Uh huh. With the thirty fourth overall pick, they take the second wide receiver in the draft, taken out of the draft, Devin Thomas. At 48, they take the third tight end off the board, Fred Davis. Finally, at 51st, they draft another wide receiver, Malcolm Kelly. I've never heard of any of these people. That's fair. Devin Thomas would only play two full seasons with Washington, with 40 catches, 445 yards, three touchdowns. Drafted two spots below Thomas was Jordy Nelson. Oh, cool. Who played 11 years, 613 catches, 8,000 plus yards, 72 touchdowns. Yep, was a Raider for a hot second at yeah, the end there. Yeah, right, Raider for one brief moment. <laughs> one brief, shining moment. Beautiful moment. <laughs> da- Fred Davis at 48, at the 48th overall pick, was had an okay career. Not great for a tight end. He was more of a blocker, ended up anyways. He had six seasons, a little over 2,000 yards, and 13 touchdowns. There were off-the-field issues that ended his career as he was suspended for violating the NFL's drug policy. Yay, drugs. And one pick later, drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles... You're welcome. ...was none other than speedster Deshaun Jackson. Now Jackson... Philly strong! Now Jackson did eventually end up on the Washington football team... That's beyond the timeline of Serato's He's a journeyman. Of yeah, Serato's reign. Well, that's because Chip Kelly sucks. Yeah. And I hate him. Fair. But during Jackson's first time in Philly, he's accumulated over 6,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, which could have been in Washington instead if no. Serato had drafted him. Nope. No. Impossible. He no. can only do that in Philly. Yeah, you know, McNabb, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Foles. Immediately after Serato gets fired is the McNabb trade. Hooray! So really, anyone was going to make a bad decision in that position. Yeah. It's just a Washington thing. Yep, yep, yep. And then Malcolm Kelly uh-huh. only played in 21 games, 28 catches, 365 yards, and no touchdowns. The problem for Kelly was that he had knee issues coming straight out of college. Like, he had knee surgery his junior year. Uh... And those carried on and shortened his career very quickly as he got cut two years later knees in 2010. Yep. Don't need knees as a wide receiver. Or any position. Instead of drafting Kelly, they could have solved their tight end problem with the player drafted at 61st overall, Martellus Bennett. Mm. Bennett played for 11 years as well with 433 catches, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns along with a Super Bowl win. But Vinny rated all these other players higher than those counterparts, <clears> and it turned out... 
Not great. Breaking his own rule and suffering the consequences. Drafting for need. Then at this time, right before training camp, on the first day of training camp, Soretto had to make multiple trades of panic after defensive uh, and Philip Daniels and then another D lineman all tore their ACLs on the first day of training camp. <laughs> Woo. It was a blood pact. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> so you would trade for defensive end Jason Taylor, sending a 2009 second round pick and a 2010 sixth for the defensive end. Uh, during the 2008 seasons, uh, Taylor would only accumulate three and a half sacks and a fumble. It's a good number. Before getting cut the next year <laughs> due to issues along the lines of he there was a contract agreement in his clause that like during the non the voluntary workouts in the uh, off season he was like I'm gonna go do those on my own uh-huh. in Florida with my friends and family and they were like yeah that's cool when they signed him and then when it came to it they're like where are you going <laughs> hey you're supposed to I'm be going here. to Florida and they're like no you can't do that. Bye. <laughs> Their loss. So in, Their loss, man. So in Zorn's first, Jim Zorn's first year as head coach, 2008, the team, again, goes 8-8. Eight and eight. They started 6-2 and two and then Perfect. fell apart. Um, what you love to see. They had, a, they had a pretty decent offense overall. Their main issue was they hadn't focused on their offensive line Ooh, in a while. Uh, yeah. They led the league in sacks or were like top five in sacks allowed. Pretty much all of the early 2000s. Uh, going into free agency, the thought process was just improve the defense since the offense still was getting away with a bad O-line. So five hours into the new free agency period of 2008-2009, Washington signed defensive tackle Albert Hainsworth to a seven-year, $100 million deal with $41 million guaranteed. Why? Say defensive tackle? Yeah. Big Ooh. boy. <laughs> yeah. Big boy. He Why? deserves $100 million for sure. The Titans immediately uh, requested that the NFL investigate this due to tampering. Because uh-huh. they're like, it's been five hours yep. <laughs> since you've been able <laughs> to legal. This is nonsense. This is bullshit. Corretto, Soretto would also re-sign <laughs> D'Angelo Hall. Please just change his name for the rest of this podcast. Soretto. Corretto. Correcto. <laughs> <laughs> That's his super villain name. <laughs> Boys is a bad one. <laughs> he re-signed D'Angelo Hall to a six-year, $54 million contract with 23 guaranteed. Cool. Looking at, like, Hall's career uh-huh. contracts, he's, he was sitting at, like, three to five million and all this time, and then his bonus was, like, a couple hundred thousand. And then there's just the first year of this contract... And it's like, signing bonus, $19 million. <laughs> Everything else goes back to normal immediately after. You're like, what, what happened here? Then he happened. The offense ended up being miserable in 2009. They would go 2-5 and five into their bye week at week 8. They were so bad, they lost to the Detroit Lions, who, were break, who broke a 19-game losing streak Wow! after their all-defeated season. Well, you know, someone had to do it. <laughs> It had to be someone eventually. It became obvious that Zorn was going to get cut and let go at the end of the season when uh, Serato brought in a consultant, Sherman Lewis, who joined the team and took over offensive play calling. They just brought in a guy from the outside and said, he's in charge of the offense now. All right. 
Sorry, offensive coordinator, you've been replaced. Lewis had been out of the league since 2004. Cool. And had a really outdated coaching style. <laughs> yeah, it hadn't changed at all since then. Everything was the same. That resulted in the team winning only two more games for the rest of the year. So nice. they go 4-12. and 4-12, and 12, yeah. And then two months after Brandon Sherman Lewis on board, Vinny Serrato announced he was resigning from his position effective immediately. He didn't even get fired after all of this. Well, that's the thing. As time went on, it became more clear that Snyder was kind of like a forced resigned him. Uh-huh. Basically, in his only comment about the situation, he just was like, it was time to move on. And just pushed on through the conversation and changed the subject. They'd hire Bruce Allen. And at the end of the year, Jim Zorn is fired. And Mike Shanahan's hired as head coach. And both of them were kind of put in charge as co-in-charge of personnel decisions. Sure. And this was the end of a decade of wasting draft picks to sign cheap players, to cover up weaknesses in the team, and spending stupid money on old stars. Yay! Vinny Serrato still unemployed by the NFL, by any NFL team, but he works as a radio host in the Baltimore, D.C. area, and, like, still does a bunch of scouting and all this stuff. Okay. Uh... There was this article by the Washington Post where it was like a year and a half post him getting fired and he was reviewing the combine which had just happened. Uh-huh. And he talks about Christian Ponder mm. and is hyping him up. To, like saying he has like he has an issue throwing the deep ball and forcing it in there, but he looks great under yeah. the right system. He's a and Hall stuff. of Famer. And then whenever he would be asked about the failures of the team He'd continue to pass the blame to somebody else. When he was asked what went wrong with Zorn, he was like, it's Zorn's fault. He got a big head, too big for his britches when he started 6-2. and two. When he asked about J- Joe Gibbs, he'd respond saying, if Gibbs had stayed, I'd still be there. If he hadn't <laughs> retired, I'd have been fine. Gibbs is a hack. Serato even blamed Shanahan for not taking the job sooner because they tried to, attempted to sign him instead of Zorn. Sure. And he was just like, when discussing his time with the team and when he was fired, he's like, I didn't know it was coming. Really? After what's happened in the last decade? No clue. My favorite part that he attempted to do that didn't wasn't successful, though, was he approached Mike Brown, GM of the Cincinnati Bengals, and said, hey, here's two first-round picks. Can I have Chad Ochocinco? And Mike Brown turned him down. What? Quickly. Yeah, that's Why? nothing. <laughs> hey, can I offer you this garbage for gold? No. Fortunately for Not DC, today. those two draft picks turned out to be Brian Arakpo and Trent Williams. And then Vinny Serrato was gone. He faded away into nothingness. No he just kind of... <laughs> he just is kicking it on radio stations, just talking it up, being a draft analyst nowadays. It's nothing but a fever dream. <laughs> that Redskins Washington team fans would really like to forget. But they can't. They won't won't let them. So, I'm confused though. How does racquetball play into it? Him and Dan Snyder, where it turned out, like, throughout the entirety of his decade there, it was like, when fans were calling for him to get fired, Dan Snyder called him racquetball buddies for life. And like, that that was his excuse of why he wasn't going to let him go. That's disgusting. It's the most pretentious thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah. 
But now that we presented one of the worst moves in NFL history, we will be presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help making those so difficult professional decisions. Westover, kick us off. I'm addressing GM of the Atlanta Falcons, Terry Fontenot. Terry, we're getting close to your first regular season as GM. You've made your draft picks, some small free agent signings, and your first blockbuster trade, sending away Julio. But it feels like you haven't settled on a direction of where you want the team to go between rebuilding or making a push in the final years of the Matt Ryan era. If you're going to try and make another push to the Super Bowl, I think it's time for your, you to make your own first big trade of acquiring a bigger name or, well, more known name player in the league versus sending one away. Two of the safeties on your roster are rookies. Deron Harmon is heading into year 10 in the league. And rumor has it, the Giants are shopping Jabril Peppers since he's in the final year of his contract before free agency. Peppers can play safety and also linebacker in dime packages. I think he'd be a great addition to your team as it's still unclear if your defense could go a season without one or more season-ending injuries to critical players. My proposal is this. You'd get Jabril Peppers for a conditional... 2022 third round pick that could turn into one of your multiple seconds if peppers meets a certain criteria of like snaps played or specific like stats and a six round pick the giants seem to be stockpiling picks at an oklahoma thunder kind of pace right now after the justin fields trade and if peppers is on the market i think he could help in the short term or even with the ability to sign him to a long-term extension that's me Huzzah. that's what i've got i support you and this decision my turn. Yes. My dear GM this week goes out to Chicago Bears GM Ryan Pace. Oh, Bears. Oh, Bears. Ryan, dude, your Bears have been a little bit of a mess the last couple of years. Their Bears. defense is one of the scurriest in the league. But it's not enough to carry the team in the modern NFL. You are able to squeak into the playoffs last year, but you need to improve the offense if you want to get anywhere. Personally, I think Mitch Trubisky got a bad rap in Chicago. And I will defend that to anyone. Trubilski. Trubilski. Yeah, Trubilski. Um, and I don't think Andy Dalton is the solution to all of your woes. <laughs> then you don't know the red rifle. <laughs> uh, I, I see do. He's one, not. Yeah, I see one of the biggest needs. There's a handful of seasons where you should eat that. <laughs> it was like one. There's a handful. Yeah, and then they just couldn't win a playoff game. It's fine. We're yeah. over it. Uh, I think one of your biggest needs is offensive line talent. You snagged Tevin Jenkins in the draft and have already declared the rookie as your starting left tackle. Nice. Which is, you know, bold. a bold choice bold for a rookie in an important position. Um, but I, I'll support you. Uh, I'm recommending that you go out and snag another tackle to play opposite of Jenkins. I think you should go out and sign 32-year-old Mitchell Schwartz. Oh, he's still kicking it. He's yeah. still, still kicking in free agency. Uh, people were shocked when Kansas City cut Schwartz and Fisher, but they obviously know what they're doing and have, you know, turned it all around, I think. Yeah, Oh, yeah, no, they went out and got, like, a super <laughs> team of yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, whatever. Uh, but Schwartz isn't a bad option for, the short ter- uh, for a short-term solution, especially if you're trying to make some noise now before you waste all of the talent that you have on defense. Oh, Kalu and Max already dead. Did to me. Oh, got him. This week, I am addressing GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman. Again? This is the first time. 
He's suggested other teams trade with the Eagles. Ah, classic. Loophole. <laughs> Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Also, I'm not Westover, so we don't care. We don't keep track of that. That's true. Howie, I have so many words <laughs> to say to you, but I'm going to stay objective and on topic. <laughs> this time. <laughs> this time. Get out of this time, bud. We had a lot of needs going into the NFL draft, and I think you did a pretty all right job. Unfortunately, you only grabbed one DB in Zach McPherson, and we desperately need to shore up our inconsistent defensive backfield. Darius Slay cannot do it all. Can he not? He cannot. Fortunately, there is a consistent start and stud just sitting there. Signed, Steven Nelson. Yeah. Nelson will only be 28, and he's coming off the best two seasons of his career with the Steelers. Darius Slay wants him. I want him. And you should want him, too. And I want Westover to not be able to have him. Yeah. He's not coming back to Pittsburgh. He's already said that. Oh, I yeah. know. And I want to revel in it. He should have been an All-Pro two years ago. <laughs> He's going to be an All-Pro with the Eagles. Hey. Hopes and dreams. It could help you guys. Thoughts. It, you know, it's the it could help a lot of people, okay? I'd take him, too. We'll all take him. Just <laughs> you won't, because he won't. Because he hates you. He hates you, and so do I. <laughs> And that's the pod. <laughs> if you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. In the words of Washington legend Joe Theismann, quote, Nobody in football should be called a genius. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein. Unquote. <laughs> you told him. You told You got him. him. <laughs> Did he somehow damage his brain in that horrific leg injury? Yeah. Fell pretty hard. <laughs> he had way too much morphine. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and remember, this was Mismanaged. Goodbye!